Welcome to the Swim is Cancelled podcast, brought to you by me, Christina Roberts. I am the owner and mindfulness ambassador of In Flight, coaching and yoga programming. Elevate your endurance performance. Check me out at www.nflight.com or shoot me an email at info at nflight.com, E-N-F-L-Y-T-E.com. I am really excited about today's guest. Her name is Erin Hamilton. I met her at the Outspoken uh, Summit for Women in Triathlon just this past November in Arizona. There was certainly a lot of great speakers, folks in attendance, activities, sessions, all the things, in addition to me overcoming some of my own uh, social barriers, going uh, cross-country by myself with no expectations other than just be there. Uh, so Erin uh, is on her quest for, quote, who I was meant to be. Um, I'd love to hear more about what that really means to her and if if she's there yet, how do you measure you know who you're who you're meant to be? Um, we'll talk through some of her challenges uh, since uh, 2015 having uh, a, a near fatal bike accident, uh, coming back big in 2017. And then also going through some of her um, personal and professional growths throughout the past uh, couple of years. And, and also we're, we're all certainly stuck in quarantine. Uh, what does that really look like in terms of personal growth and social interaction? Uh, just a, a few things before uh, she joins this uh, live podcast. I. Um, We'll share later on in the show notes uh, some connection points of you know how you can learn more about Erin, follow her on social media. Um, but she has really been open about her um, personal details, um, both in print as well as uh, just on uh, social through some Insta stories and, and videos out there. So um, she's certainly been one to watch personal growth wise. I think that there's a lot that we can take away from her experience. Um, I'll let her certainly um, help us navigate through all of that. But Erin is a transgender athlete, uh, a triathlete to be a little bit more specific, who's uh, coming back from some surgeries, as well as her continued um, recovery uh, of a uh, traumatic brain injury from a, a bike crash she sustained in 2015. Really excited, like I said, waiting for Erin to join. Um, while I await her just, I think she, she wants to call in. This is great. Hi, Erin. 
Hello. Hi, how are you? you? I guess you can hear me now. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my God. Absolutely. Um, I hope that you were able to connect well and didn't have any issues. I'm trying to to navigate this myself and, and figure out what the hell I'm really doing. So Went without a hitch. I appreciate your patience. All right. So uh, I recorded a little bit um, about the, you know, episode and, um, you know, what I really wanted to start off with was um, actually how I came to discover you. I'm, I'm not sure if you remember me, but I'll, um, I'll go ahead and share that. I went to the Outspoken Summit in August or uh, November, and that was my first um, exposure to a couple of things. Uh, one was I'd never been to Arizona before. Um, I had never gone to a conference that was focused solely on women in sport, let alone women in triathlon, which was really cool. And I went there by myself. I knew pretty much nobody, maybe two or three people off of social. So it was um, just a huge um, eye-opening, uncomfortable um, situation for me. And um, I know that our paths crossed both you um, in um, a couple of audiences and then also just at at some of the social events. So um, that is how I, I came to... Uh, actually find you and and follow you on social. And um, I just think you have a really compelling story that um, needs to be heard. And um, I just really honor your, your bravery because it's um, I'm sure it's been quite a, quite a journey for you that nobody, unless they're in your shoes will certainly be able to understand or appreciate. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you. Uh, Boy, yeah, I don't remember anything from. <laughs> there was like so many people at that conference. I'm assuming uh, you were talking about the one last, the end of last year, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So many people there on top of just not remembering things. Thank you, brain. <laughs> yeah. No, that's um, that's totally fair and and understood. So. Um... But your face, your face looks familiar. So that that. That works. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, so I took a lot of time to just, you know, and I've followed you on, you know, Instagram since then, and um, I've read your posts, and I checked out your blog, and I checked out, you know, some of the posts that you had on on Live Feisty, and mm-hmm. um, holy shit is just really how I summarize all of that. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that you um, wrote is that you are on your quest for who you were meant to be. And I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Like what, what is that to you? Who, who are you meant to be? Uh, obviously the easy answer is who I'm meant to be is me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um kind of how I describe it and how it how it kind of is important for me is uh, being comfortable in my own skin and with who I am. Um, like, we all have 
our own self image of ourselves, of what we think we, you know, inside where something's, you know, something specific, our own inner picture of sure. ourselves. Sure. Um, and sometimes for a lot of people, uh, that inner image doesn't match what's outside. Yeah. So what, uh, who I was meant to be type of statement is, you know, becoming who I was meant to be, like pretty much of matching my outside self uh, with my inner self, with how I felt, who I was, and who I wanted to be inside. So it's more of that aligning the two yeah. kind of inside with the outside to feel more comfortable uh, in my own skin. That's kind of how I do it. <laughs> That's how I think of it. <laughs> you're really talking about the way I envision what you're saying is you have you have two puzzle pieces, and mm -hmm. and those two puzzle pieces you're you're getting them to fit together, or or they need to fit together in order to to feel whole. Yep. Um, yeah, no, that's um, totally cool. So let me ask um, what might be a, a Captain Obvious question, but it is probably unbelievably complex. So do your do your puzzle pieces fit together now? Do, do you feel whole? Um, they're more, I would say they're more aligned. Uh, I don't think, I mean, this is just my own personal opinion. I don't think people can really be perfectly aligned with what, how they feel on the inside with versus the outside. Sure. Maybe there are people out there that are perfectly fine. And it's like, yes, what I feel inside is exactly what I am on the outside. I have yet to <laughs> meet those people. And if I ever meet that person, I'm going to ask what the secret formula is. Um, but I would say I'm more aligned uh, between the two, uh, I still struggle with kind of feeling that feeling of who am I? Yeah. And I think that's something that I'm going to have to just kind of not necessarily deal with, but to come to grips with that. I'm not going to be able to be like perfectly aligned with how I envision myself, my inner self with my outer self. Cause, uh, if I start worrying about that, then I'm creating unrealistic, you know, expectations, which is unhealthy, obviously, you know, cause my inner self is, you know, a woman. Um, and it's, it's not realistic to be, for me, at least, everybody else has their own opinions, but for me, uh, for my self-image on the outside to fully come to grips with that, you know, obviously there's a lot of limitations of, you know, making that alignment, right? Because right. obviously yeah. I wasn't born a cis woman. So, you know, it's like, well, my voice isn't very feminine, uh, which is usually the first thing that outs me. Um, and that's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. There's, there's methods and ways to, you know, change your voice and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, 
I've, it's not something that is what I want to do because it feels like I'm lying to myself if I like alter my voice or have, you know, surgery for like stretching out the vocal cords and stuff like that. Uh, but like in my inner self, I have a much more feminine voice, you know, that's normal <laughs> for cis women. Uh, but that's just not realistic to match, you know, and the rest of like my masculine features that, you, you know, you generally go through with puberty, you know, there's, there's only so many surgeries that you can do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. it's always going to have that misalignment. Well, it's just coming to grips and being okay with, right. you know, not a hundred percent, but Hey, I feel like I'm around 80 to 85% there. <laughs> Can't complain. That's awesome. I mean, I, that's a pretty high percentage too. So, um, and, and I can certainly appreciate for, you know, obviously different reasons, um, you know, how an exterior might need to maybe match or, or pair better with an interior, but but you're the you as an individual, you're the one that 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 lives with you and walks around with you. And yeah. you can certainly do whatever work on the outside, but it's really, you know this already, it's what's on the inside that that matters. And that's where all the hard work needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that's what in my mind makes any outside beautiful however you know anyone's going to define um beauty to me it's it, it's the work that you do on the inside um yeah and yeah. and you know it's one of the biggest um it's one of the biggest fears of starting to transition is because you have no idea what the end result is going to be like right because sure. everybody's different everybody takes you know reacts to hormones differently, you know, and that was one of the biggest fears for me when I started hormone replacement therapy is, you know, am I quote unquote, uh, I don't really like the term that our community uses, but pass, um, as a woman, if I start doing this, cause once you start taking hormones and your body starts changing, a lot of the changes don't go back if you stop. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the fear is, okay, if I take this step of, you know, you reach that point of no return, you know, is the end result going to be, you know, what I envision in my head of what it's supposed to be? And, you know, within the community, there's a lot of unrealistic uh, perception of a lot of people just talk about, you know, the positive results of like, oh, my God, I got huge boobs and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a very, that's, you know, that's not going to happen for everybody. Unfortunately, yeah. luckily for me, you know, I was scared to death of that. And that was one of the main reasons uh, that I kind of was going constantly back and forth, uh, among some other stuff, but that was the bigger, that was the bigger one. Uh, but luckily for me, I, you know, I'm happy with what I've got 
That's great. Everything I everything I grown naturally. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a lot of that fear, you know, you work yourself up so much of all right, my inside, my view of myself on the inside is that a healthy perspective of what it's going to be, you know, two years into hormones or something like that. So, and so that's something that you, um, it, it, it's cool to hear you say that. Um, cause you said that, that your skill, one of your skills is to control the controllable, mm-hmm. so, you know, embarking on, you know, a hormone replacement therapy protocol, um, you can't control what that outcome is going to look like, but you can control your perception of that situation, the ups and downs, and then how you react to whatever the outcome is. Exactly. Um, yeah, yep. that's really cool. Um, yeah, so- I can't control what the medication is going to do, but I can control uh, the perception that's building up in my head to keep it in check and realistic. Yeah. So you, 2015 was a bad year. I, I kind of got that impression. <laughs> One of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, fair enough. I mean, it was only bad because of the accident and, um, you know, obviously my divorce, but other than that, you know, yeah, sure, I, but sure. of course, but you know, I also don't remember a lot. <laughs> from you know 2015 and 2016 because yeah. you know memory doesn't function normally anymore uh but yeah i mean i would say more 2015 was more of a challenge and probably the more uh the most i've been put to the test that i know of uh but by far 2015 is cakewalk to what I had to deal with in um, toward the tail end of 2017 and 2018. Probably the one the, that one and a half years there was probably the darkest of my entire life. But yeah, 2015 was bad, <laughs> but also very good too. <laughs> yeah. So did you, uh, you know, from a um you know, just a, an experienced perspective. So you were in a bike crash. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't anything that you were able to walk away from, uh, at, at least immediately. Right. Then, Eventually I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is really something uh, amazing. Do you feel that that experience was a catalyst for you to really work on being more true to yourself and, and what you feel you are, um, you know, who you, who you were meant to be. Do you, do you feel like that was a, a, just a nudge for you to, you know, get moving? Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting question uh, and kind of a, an interesting answer that will kind of follow it. I wouldn't say, the act, the act, well, it all depends on perspective. People, you know, I don't think that the accident was the catalyst or the spark uh, for my transition or coming out. Uh, but some people would probably 
disagree with that for the reasons why I'm about to explain. <laughs> uh, the, the really the only thing that the accident, the only role that the accident played on coming out and you know later on transitioning was merely just unlocking the memories. Yeah, from my childhood, uh, teenage years, young adult. You know, unlocking those memories of, you know, obviously now learning what all that meant of questioning my gender identity and everything like that. Because, you know, back when I was a kid or in high school or, you know, in your 20s, you know, being trans wasn't prominent. You know, it's not it wasn't. It wasn't known. It wasn't widespread like it is today. So, you know, obviously when those memories started bubbling up, I was like, I have no idea what any of this means. Why is this happening? So really the accident was, you know, hearing that people will be like, well, that's the catalyst because if it didn't happen, then, you know, those memories would still be locked down. And I'm like, yeah, that's accurate. But, you know, yeah. You never really know. They could un- they could have unlocked later in life, or it just happened. Co- it just happened to you know take a tremendous amount of head trauma to unlock those memories from uh, <laughs> the vault. That, you know, the di- I always call it the Disney vault yeah. <laughs> that I put them in. <laughs> uh, but other than that, you know, the accident. The only thing that that I would say that the accident was the catalyst for was uh, the, the perspective and outlook that I have on life in general right now, uh, because, you know, going through that uh, experience and kind of passing away, but not really, it was kind of like in that gray line yeah. of dying and not dying right. or it could have, it was, could have gone, both what you know either either direction i could have gone it was that close you know it it changed my outlook and it changed my perspective on life you know i you know a lot of people use the term uh work-life balance you know with their careers and everything yeah. like that uh after the accident sparked me to look at that kind of work-life balance and i'm and forced me to reset, like, no, life is more important than work. The priority is life. I want to experience the things, you know, because you you technically only get one shot at this. Okay. <laughs> Even though I've had, I've had two shots at this now. <laughs> uh, you know, life is, you know, everything can go in a, in a heartbeat, you know, something can happen or whatever, you know, people just need to be precious of life. And I'm like, I need to live life. There's things that I want to do. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's a bucket list that I have that I want to start checking things off. And 2015, I almost lost that bucket list. You know, it's life is important and people should enjoy it. And that was that was probably the main catalyst of just a huge wake up call that, oh, wow. All of this could have been gone 
if like one variable was changed all of this could all of this could have been gone and now i'm trying to live my life the full to the fullest the way that i want to live it and yeah that's kind of that's kind of the biggest thing and you know unlocking the memories but like you know it didn't unlock just those memories of gender gender identity um or anything like that it unlocked some very uh like terrible negative very bad memories of trauma in my childhood which uh i later found out that bad memories and stuff like that are stored somewhere else in the brain yep which is why which is the reason why because i always wondered i'm like why is all of my memory and very memories that i love and cherish suddenly are just gone but yet all of these horrible memories of things that trauma that have happened to me in the past are well intact perfectly fine i'm just like what (laughs) is this like a cruel joke that somebody's playing on me or something but no you know those memories are stored somewhere else in the brain and you know all the good stuff unfortunately are stored in uh, a very delicate part of the brain that's easily damaged (laughs) who would have thunk (laughs) (laughs) well well now you know right yeah right um I, i just need to train my brain to store positive memories and where they put bad ones and and that is going to be an everyday type of process um you mentioned on one of your you you had this and i can't recall what it was about but you were pretty fiery pissed about something had this very well spoken um you know just post about it and then you you added on at the end you had you know kind of an amendment that said so now I'm in my wise mind and then you put this really great positive spin on it and I'm curious from a I know from um you know actually a a person who's very important to me that you know Mm -hmm. wise mind is more of a a a buddhist type of um term Mm -hmm. Are you, uh, are you practicing? Do you have some sort of spiritual um, guidance? What what does that look like for you? Uh, no, I'm very much not a spiritual person. <laughs> uh, so when I say, when I talk about like wise mind, it's from uh, uh, a behavioral health therapy. Uh, it's, what's what's yeah. it called? Dialectical behavior therapies. Uh acronym is dbt which is uh what it's more known for okay um which kind of so it's a concept of uh the state of mind right in mental health and behavioral health where the you can kind of break it down into three kind of categories so to speak of reasonable mind and emotional mind and wise mind Yes. And how they kind of describe those two is that, you know, your reasonable mind is driven more by logic. And then your emotion, obviously, obvious, um, your emotional mind is driven by your feelings and emotions and your and kind of 
goes more off of your impulses, impulsor, impulses, yeah, impulses, and uh, kind of less of a less of ability to control judgment and stuff. So that's the emotional mind is when you're just kind of like, I hate life. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to, you know, do something, you know, yeah. that's, you know, you're in a mode, you're fight or flight. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously wise mind is best of both worlds, so to speak, uh, where you don't necessarily let the emotions control you, but, you br- you bring logic into the thinking so it brings more intuitive thinking and a more balance between rational and emotional mind uh, and then also you know being more mindful of the situation and the environment around you Th- so so that's i thank you for that i it's tough to um you know have pause and get yourself in that frame of mind, if you will, Um, when you're, um, when you're not faced with a bunch of, you know, adversity and, and just interesting situations and judgment and, and trauma and tragedy and all this. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. For me, at least for me, uh, because obviously with my brain injury, uh, you know, the area of the brain that controls mood, judgment, emotions, impulsivity, everything like that and is a very is all centralized in a very delicate and easy to damage part area of the brain, um, which is why, you know, TBI and concussion are such in everybody's faces now in sports, uh, because that those control mechanisms are so vulnerable, you know, it's even harder for me uh, to catch things and to stay in wise mind or rational mind when I don't even like my brain does not have literally does not have the capability of controlling these things. Yeah. So, I mean, my Facebook is the primary example (laughs) of, you know, and lots of lots of times I just kind of let my emotional mind go uh, just to get it out of my head. So lots of times, you know, on Facebook, I'll just like emotions post. <laughs> and then within like an hour, hour, two hours, three hours, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, Aaron, what the hell did you do? <laughs> go back and go back and delete it, you know, and you can kind of see it in my blog posts too, the ones that you were referring to yeah, yeah. where, you know, I start, you know, because lots of times where it's just like, I don't, I don't know how to process this information. So I'm just going to just word vomit everything. And it usually turns either really negative or uh, very emotional and very erratic and, impulsive and stuff like that um but then you know like the the ones that you commented on i go back to it you know i i write it i post it and then kind of let it settle and then my brain starts going into wise mind and rational mind of like oh wow i think the tone of this post that i did is 
you know, leaning more towards the negative side of whatever I'm dealing with. Right. And then, but I also don't want to go in there and alter it or delete it, you know, cause I think it's important for people to see both sides of the coin. Sometimes I just forget to not talk about the positive outcomes that could come out of it. I so think- that's why I do the amendments and add on of like, Hey, it's not all doom and gloom. There is some, there is light at the end of the tunnel and here's what, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. It usually, it just takes me a lot longer to get there than people obviously with normal functioning brains. <laughs> I think though uh, that what you're doing is responsible in a way that you have an outlet to almost throw whatever emotion out there that and that for you is it's it's a mental organization you're getting it out and and then you're also you have great emotional intelligence to go back and reflect on the situation and then you pull out those gems Mm -hmm. of what winds up being here's the silver lining and here's how, you know, I'm going to carry this forward. And, but, and there's, you know, that honesty in there. I, I think that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, it's important for people to see the good and the, the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Cause that's the only way to get a complete picture, which is very important with mental health of, you know, cause mental health, everybody always talks about the positive. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's and not the not the scary and not the ugly, because then people get uncomfortable and people don't like being uncomfortable. No, I, but, you know, there's a lot to be said for sitting in the uncomfortable, because that's where you're going to get the most growth. And um, it's how you learn. It, it is how you learn, because you can, you know, like like what you do, you can sit and reflect and then you pull out the pearls and, you know, you can you can move forward. It's not to say yeah. you're never going to be there again. Um, I'm also not saying it's a replacement for therapy because yeah, I'm no, a yeah. therapist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Always consults a, a <laughs> for sure. either a medical professional or a licensed therapist. Yeah, we're, we're not professionals, folks. We're just which is, yeah, and I and I always make sure when I start talking about mental health or tool sets that I use uh, to help me through dark times or depression or anything like that. I, I try very hard to preface it of, hey, these things work for me. It may not work for you. Yep. You know, please consult your ther- you know, a licensed therapist or a medical professional before trying anything, regardless of, you know, hey, I eat, you know, I go out there and say, hey, I eat cereal with a spoon. Yeah. That this works this works way better for me. You know, <laughs> even though but you know, obviously it's drastically different, you know, mental health puts a lot yeah. more weight on, hey, this works for me. If somebody goes and tries it without, you know, consulting somebody, it could result in them, you know, either hurting themselves, harming themselves, or thinking about suicide or committing suicide. You know, it's it's delicate. So I always I want to share it because I think it's important, but I always want to emphasize that I'm like, hey, this is only works for me. It may yeah. not work for you. Talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to rock out with a fork, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how that goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So I have to I have to chuckle. Um, so listening to you know your your medical providers and all that is is the best advice. Mm-hmm. But, but you almost you kind of didn't really do that when you said you wanted to train for an Ironman. Um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> well, I mean, if you had all the other stuff, it's more of Ironman kind of a, a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it was more of like, okay, I need to prove to them. I'll show you. Uh, well, not not this is like. Well, uh, first it was like I needed to prove to them that doing triathlon was safer than going back to bike racing. Yeah, uh, because you know, after my accident, and I was able to talk again. You know, they're like, you can never do this again. The risk is way too high. And they constantly told me, if you sustain another blow to the head or trauma to the head, you will not wake up. And, you know, with bike racing, you're in a Peloton. Everybody's, you know, you're pretty much handlebar to handlebar with, you know, 20, 30, 40 other cyclists that are human beings and unpredictable. (laughs) All it takes is one cross wheel or tangling up with handlebars or somebody pushing you or something like that to just plop and go and go down. Um, so at first it was very much like, Hey, I'm a competitive person. I'm an active person. I need something to do because at that time they wouldn't let me get back on the bike. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't emptying that silo of competitiveness. Right. And you know, I was getting massively depressed and thinking about suicide because I can't do the things that I was able to do before. Yeah. And then, you know, at the time, uh, I was dating somebody. Obviously, this was happened after uh, my divorce with my ex-wife. Uh, I was dating somebody that was training for an Ironman, her second Ironman. And I was like, oh, well, wow. you know, I was learning about it. You know, I only knew like basic knowledge of triathlon and you know i was like oh wow this is way safer than (laughs) racing bikes right like you can't group up you know you have to be six bike lengths behind another bike you know even though nobody follows that rule but you know you're it's so far in any triathlon that i've raced in it's never been like a full-blown peloton (laughs) correct yes uh so it was more kind of educating my care team and doctors that, Hey, the, the risk is drastically reduced. I'm massively depressed because I can't, I don't, I have nothing to, I can't, there's no outlet for me here and I can't just sit around the house doing nothing, living in a bubble. You know, they wanted me to just be like, never touch a bike, you know, don't go outside, don't do sports, don't do activities, reduce, you know, they want me to reduce risk as much as humanly possible. Um, so I was like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to do triathlon. They're like, no. I was like, well, you know, I'm not really, I'm a terrible swimmer. So there's no way in heck I'm going to be swimming with a group. So I don't have to worry about getting kicked in the head or smacked in the face. Um, but then the big thing was the bike. That was their main thing of, you know, 
saying, no, we're not going to clear you for this. I mean, obviously, what are they going to do? They can't force me to not do bike racing or ride a bike or play basketball or baseball, right? Right. They can't, they're not, they're not going to send like hire a police officer or whatever (laughs) to be like, Aaron, you're not cleared to do this. And, you know, maybe if I was a professional athlete, they could probably flex more muscles, but as an amateur, they can't do anything about it. I can do whatever I want. Yep. You know, it's just like, Hey, this could happen. If you do this, we just don't, we highly think that you shouldn't do it, you know, but it was the bike portion that they were like, no on. And I was like, well, they have rules that you have to stay six bike lengths behind a person in front of you unless you're passing. And then once you get, once you're passed and once you get past, you have to fall back into that little zone again. And they're like, and at this point, you know, they were aware of kind of like my suicidal thoughts and severe depression because of this, you know, and they, you know, gathered together and started talking about it and, you know, they came to the conclusion that uh, the benefits out outweighed the risk. Um, so they ended up allowing me to do it, and then I told, <laughs> and then told them I'm going to do a full Ironman, <laughs> and that's when they're like, uh, "You should should maybe aim lower." <laughs> I love it. And then once they said that, I was like, okay, well, this is happening, <laughs> whether you like it or not. So, you know, it took it took a good amount of time to get them to feel comfortable with me doing triathlons. Uh, but, you know, if you annoy somebody enough, they usually kind of That's right. give you what you want. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, they were very adamant of like, you know what, the benefits outweigh the risks and the negative. You know, we don't want you being severely depressed, even though I was still severely depressed afterwards. But, you know, whatever. They don't want me killing myself because I'm just sitting at home like a vegetable getting fat or or something like that. Right. So they're like, this is a benefit. So be careful. You know, take men. You know, they're still like. You still need to reduce the risk with any activity that you do. So do everything that's, you know, feasible and possible to reduce that risk of not getting another head, not getting another head injury or anything like that. That's a great story. Kill them, kill them with information. That's helpful. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Absolutely. So you, um, you trained, you raced, And then you recently had surgery um, and now you're not training or racing or are you back on the bike now? Uh, Ish. I, I, so my surgeon cleared me to do, uh, well, she pretty much said there's literally nothing that you can do to make my complicate, you know, to make uh, any, to make things worse, right? She's yeah. like, you're already, you know, you're already um, you're already in the deep end. You're already drowned. You're already, you know, it, <laughs> there's nothing you can do that can make it any worse than it already is. So she's like, you're you're cleared to do whatever you want. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> so yeah, I did one bike ride, 
after after we had that uh uh appointment and that was brutal yeah i did probably two miles and oh yeah it hurt a lot there's a considerable amount of bleeding the following days um obviously for the listeners that didn't don't know the surgery was uh uh bottom surgery which means uh i don't know uh what's the the right term i guess turning (laughs) removing your penis and making a vagina let's just (laughs) let's just make it easy any right what's it yeah let's just let Let's just cut to the cut to the chase. You know, they they remove the the penis and make a vagina out of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I've had uh, major complications with that, um, where because uh, obviously I didn't have enough. I don't know. This is too graphic. I didn't have enough material. I didn't have enough material to uh, to fully line the vaginal canal. Okay. Uh, you know, with skin. Sure. So obviously the way around that is they take a skin graft and they use that um, where where needed. So my comp the the issues that I've been having with uh, that surgery, well, for one, I, de- I had a, a bleed I was I had a bleed out hemorrhaging blood four weeks post-op that required an emergency surgery and two units of blood. Wow. Um, and then subsequently after that, things just weren't getting better and my doctors were getting very concerned. And so it, the, the end result of why my surgeon was like, well, you can't make it any worse than it already is. Uh, I lost, I had a complete loss of uh, skin graft loss. So uh, my vaginal canal is just full of uh, granulation tissue and just like raw unhealed tissue. Uh, and there's literally no healthy skin in there to regenerate, you know, to grow yeah. and, and cover that area. And, you know, obviously the end result of this and the fix for that, for this complication is to allow it to close up. And then, you know, after a year, if I want to have the surgery again, I can go and have the surgery again. Um, Obviously, that's a decision that I have to make, uh, but luckily, I have plenty of time <laughs> to decide that. So, you know, that's obviously the complications that uh, that I'm dealing with, and that's the reason why my surgeon cleared me to do stuff again, to do chaterain, uh, weightlift, and all that stuff. Because she's like, "It's already gone. You already lost it. You already lost your vagina." So, Aww. do whatever okay. you want. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, it was incredibly painful and I could like the majority. Of, so to put in perspective for that bike ride, I haven't touched a bike yeah. since um, September of last year. Like I haven't done any physical activity since September of last year. Cause obviously I needed to stop a month before surgery and then obviously the surgery and then the recovery and then the emergency surgery and then the recovery from that and then the fact that my the surgical area just refused to to heal you know 
that's that's like seven months of no physical activity at all beyond walking right uh, and even walking hurts <laughs> sitting hurts yeah <laughs> so like i'm i'm incredibly out of shape so when i started on the bike you know i'm sitting i'm like oh okay this is fine and then you know get far enough out where i'm just like oh well this is bad so you know it got to the point where i couldn't even sit so you know i had to ride you know standing up out of the saddle and i'm not you know i'm well i'm still you know still have some fitness but nowhere near that so i'm just like you know riding out of the saddle i'm just like oh my god my quads are about to just like explode and fall off of me right now <laughs> so i was just like in utter agony trying to get back to my apartment <laughs> and then you know i the pain that I was having on that bike ride, I don't know if it was just because the issues that I have in, with the surgical area or the fact that I don't have, you know, uh, I don't have a, I guess, a female designed saddle. Oh, yeah. you know If that's, that's the appropriate term, because uh, obviously I have a saddle that is for men. <laughs> and it, after talking to some people, I guess... Uh, women's saddles are a little bit different with the, the cutouts in the saddle itself because yeah. uh, obviously the bits are different. Yeah. You know, the those important arteries that, you know, you don't want to smush on a male saddle, you know, obviously aren't there anymore. <laughs> you know, they're moved. They're somewhere else now. Uh, so I don't know if it was because of surgery and recovery or if i was just you know just had the wrong saddle but as soon as i started writing i immediately i immediately noticed of like oh god my fit is completely off now regardless of the saddle you know yeah. my fit was just like blown up because i'm sitting differently now yeah compared to uh, when i was with uh male anatomy so i was just like oh my god this my fit is completely off. The seat is like murdering me right now. <laughs> My vagina is <laughs> dying. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, oh God, <laughs> I don't want. It. So yeah, after that, I was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a break. Um, yeah, let's let's check. Because you know, because obviously we're in this uh, pandemic now, and you know things are closed, so it's not not like I can go to a bike shop and get a refit, and you know try start trying some new female uh, design saddles. You know, so it kind of happened on a you know not the most optimal time frame of trying to get back on the bike but as yeah, exactly. my bike is designed today uh, that's a big fat no um i was thinking about trying again but on a stationary bike because yeah. obviously when you're when you're out riding outside it's different yes compared to riding on a trainer like you're just positioning is different and Everything yeah, is different. No bumps in the road. Yeah, there's no bumps. There's no, you know. There's nothing jarring. Yeah. Getting up, getting off, clipping, unclipping. You're kind of yeah. just there. And plus, on a trainer, you know, if I'm out of the saddle, 
and my legs are starting to get tired, uh, I could just stop. (laughs) Or if, you know, my vagina is hurting too much, I can just stop and get off my bike and not have to worry, oh, God, I'm two miles away from home. And so I have two miles to get back. Oh, boy. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah, I'm already home. So all I have to do is just get off the bike. (laughs) So what's on your bucket list? Um, at least, for, at least for this year. So this year is kind of crazy. Well, I would say this, yeah, this year is kind of a wash. I don't think any bucket list items are happening this year. Um, I mean, mm, I would like to do another Ironman, whether that's an Ironman branded race or an unbranded race. Cause obviously I got, I have some opinions and <laughs> and things about Iron Man that uh, I'm still debating whether I want to like give that or- organization money or not. Um, you know, I want to do that again because I kind of want to redeem myself from uh, my first Iron Man in 2017 because I could have done a lot better than I did on that one. Yeah. I should have done a lot better, but I was unaware of, you know, now that I know the the TBI limitations of doing that type of race, I can go at it drastically different. Obviously I'm not going to do a full again because I don't want to die (laughs) 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 and I value my health and (laughs) body. (laughs) Uh, I love that response. Yeah. Um, But you know, there's a, there's a train route uh, called the empire builder that goes from Seattle to Chicago. It might go to Boston, but it definitely goes from Seattle to Chicago. Uh, And that's been on my bucket list ever since I found out about this train and this train route. Uh, Because obviously it's a perfect opportunity to see the entire country, at least the northern part of the country. But you go through the Cascades, you go through the Rockies, you go through the Plains and then to the East Coast. And I just think that that would just be the most beautiful trip on a train. Uh, Because I love taking the train, even though the trains are incredibly outdated (laughs) and needing some sort of upgrades. But uh, that, yeah, that's probably one of if not in the top five of the bucket list, obviously uh, going to Japan, going to see a Formula One race. Cool. Um, I already did the drive down, you know, the coast from Seattle to, you know, San Diego. I already done that. So that's already been crossed off. (laughs) Never doing that drive again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, my bucket list are pretty simple. They're not, it's not too crazy or, you know, anything of that nature or anything like that. Um, but those three are the tent poles. Um, Oh, I love that terminology. Yeah. Those are the, those three, a form going to a formula one race, going to Japan and riding the empire builder are the, the three, the three that I can confidently say that I need to do these before I die. Yeah. 
And if I'm not, if I'm, if I can't do this before I die, then I hope to God I become a ghost <laughs> and then I'll haunt all three of those locations. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but I would prefer to do it when I'm alive. <laughs> I would hope the same for you as well. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yes, my fingers are crossed for you too. That's really cool. Um, so I want to close with this. And I think it's funny. I, I really think I could have, you know, hour long conversations with people about Iron Man in general. Oh, yeah. We haven't even scratched the surface of. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. Bad, indifferent, uh, but they do have this really great tagline, which is super um, simple. Anything is possible. Um, mm -hmm. It motivates, it inspires, it encourages people, you know, um, but I, I think it's, I think anything is possible it really goes well beyond Ironman, well beyond triathlon, well beyond yep. sport. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really think if you set your, your perception well enough and do that internal work, anything really is possible. You just yep. have to find the anything. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so what does that mean to you? If I say, uh, Aaron, anything is possible, how do you react to that? Uh, easy, because I also have that tattooed on my forearm. Oh, so uh, yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tattooed on my forearm with uh, my favorite flower, the orchid. Um, it's, uh, I kind of, even though it's an Iron Man slogan, I kind of took it as my own rather than it's just like, oh, this is because of Iron Man. No, uh, how the turn, the, the saying anything is possible is not related, but not really related to Iron Man at all. It's the story of what I've been through since my accident that, you know, I could have died, almost died, pretty much died. It could have gone either way to, you know, giving, you know, I could have easily given up the recovery process of coming back uh, and then like transitioning and doing a, f you know, finishing a full Ironman two years post accident uh, and everything like that, that, you know, anything is possible. I can I went from not being able to walk, talk or do anything to two years later doing an Ironman and finishing it a full one. Um, like, anything is possible. And, you know, the tattoo on my arm is a reminder of that. It's a reminder of that accident. It's a reminder of my brain injury. Uh, and it's a reminder that, you know, I could have given up and just be a vegetable for the rest of my life or worse, kill myself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I didn't, you know, I had wonderful people around me to keep pushing me uh, to keep going you know, and saying it is possible to bounce back. It's possible uh, to go from not being able to walk. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because there are instances where you literally can't come back from walking. But, <laughs> you know, going from this traumatic experience and overcoming it and doing something that everybody says that you wouldn't be able to do, you know, as long, you know, people always say, I can never do an Ironman. I was like, yeah. Anybody could do an Ironman. Yeah. It, you know, the difference is the dedication and putting in the work. I was like, I saw 
when I was doing my Ironman, I had overweight people passing me. You know, I've, I saw, you know, athletes missing limbs, you know, not having, you know, missing, you know, amputees and stuff. I'm like on doing it, doing this with prosthetics. I was like, I saw those people. I saw kid, you know, obviously not kids, kids, but you know, younger people. I saw people in their seventies, their eighties. Right. I'm like, all these people are passing me, <laughs> but yet I'm still doing it. But I'm like, I saw every shape and size and visible limitations, non-visible limitations complete it. I'm like, if they can do it and I can do it, you could do it. You just need to put in the work. Obviously, you can't just like wake up one day, I'm going to do a full Ironman. No, you're going to fail miserably. <laughs> you know, if you put the time in and the work, then yeah, anything's possible. Yeah. That's what I always tell people. And usually when they're like, I can never do an Ironman or I can never do a half air marathon or whatever, or not even in sports, it's like, I can never work in this field. I can never do what you do. I just, it's the, it's the greatest thing about tattoos. I just show them my forearm and be like, what does that say? They're like, anything is possible. I'm like, yes. You know, so I live my life with that mantra of anything is possible because I proved it <laughs> and I went through it. So anything is possible. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really cool that I did not know that. <laughs> that is on your arm. Yeah. Um, I love the reminder and you, you lived it and you, you still are, which is, which is yep. really um, amazing. Yeah. Anytime I, anytime I encounter something that I, I tell myself, this is impossible. There's no way that I can do this. You know, that's the whole point of having a tattoo. You know, the only tattoos on my body, uh, tell us a very, you know, tell a very important story of my life. You know, this one being the more prominent and important one. If I encounter something there where I'm like, this is impossible. I just look at my arm. And I'm like, and then it reminds me of like, oh yeah, that's what I did. So this is, should be cakewalk. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. And thank you. Please, uh, let's, let's stay connected. Okay. Yeah, totally. I'm always, I'm always here. If you want to do a part two, we can yeah. do a part two. <laughs> Oh dang! There's so much more I want to talk about. There's oh, definitely God, yeah. part two. Yes. I mean, if people are if people are super wanting more details, you know, I have posts on my website. Hi, my name is Aaron.com. But you know, the two articles that I wrote for Live Feisty, yeah. and then um, uh, the Triathlete Magazine did a feature on me. Yeah. So there's definitely plenty of things out there if people want a lot more details of life. <laughs> link out to all that stuff in the show notes so um so yeah available and yeah thank you so so much yeah thank you so much i really appreciate it and allowing me a platform to talk about all this stuff because yes. it's important so people, I'll people need to know that you can do things <laughs> perfect well have a wonderful day have a great holiday thank you so much for your time 
Thank you. You too. All right. Bye, Eric. All right. Bye.